to episode two of the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I am here with Scott yet again. How you going, Matthew? <laughs> I'm good, Scott. How are you? Yeah, it would have been better if we had a better result on the weekend or, or fit yeah. last Thursday, but other than that, pretty good. A little late on the microphone there too. It's really got you down that 28-6 result. Yeah, a bit sad. I was a bit slow motion last Thursday night after the game. Pretty sad. <laughs> so, yes, unfortunately, we're coming off a 28-6 loss to Brisbane in Suncorp last week. Um, we had the first ever female referee. Didn't help us. Um, it was just a dreadful performance, really, by the dogs, wasn't it? Oh, it was poor. We'll look at it in more detail later, but we've got a lot of things to highlight on how Paul it was, and we've got a few players, unfortunately, on the microscope for all the wrong reasons after that game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just before we get any further into the episode, I just wanted to thank everyone that um, listened to uh, episode one and also the teaser. Um, more more listens than we uh, we expected or anticipated, so that was uh, fantastic. Uh, we'll keep doing this podcast as long as you guys keep listening, so thank you for that. And uh, also, if you haven't heard yet, we are now on Apple Podcast. Uh, there was a few people tweeting, tweeting about that and messaging us about Apple Podcasts, so now we're on that. So no excuse not to listen. We're making it big. Hey? We're, going, we're going global. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're Actually, looking, looking at our information, we're only got, we're 100% in Australia, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, big in Australia. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. Uh, yes, we have what listeners. From, while we're on that topic, we have listeners from New South Wales, Queensland, and South Australia at the moment, so hello to all of them. <laughs> I wasn't expecting the South Australian uh, listeners, but hello to them especially. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, interesting stats there. But anyway, uh, before we get into our last week review, uh, every we have the same segments as last week, guys, so uh, you know the format. Uh, last week review, uh, before we jump into that, we've actually got our first ever audio message, so we'll have a listen to that now. Hello, Matt and Scott. It's Tarantosaurus here. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the podcast. Uh, the first episode was very enjoyable, and I look forward to listening listening in uh, each and every week. Um, very disappointing to see on Thursday night uh, the Bulldogs going down 28-6 to against the Broncos. Um, I thought the first half was, you know, we still had some decent effort there, uh, but the second half, I don't know what happened. We just pretty much lost it from there. Um yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, your take on the game. Uh, keep up the good work, boys. Yes, uh, thank you very much, Tyrannosaurus. Our first ever audio message there from a listener. Um, we thought we'd do it straight up because uh, it was mostly about um, the last week review. So we'll jump straight into that now. Uh, the question on that mess on that audio message, Scott, was uh, what did we think of that game? Yeah, it's a. He made an interesting point about the first half. We were in the game, but I felt like we were still behind. I think we were the worst team going into halftime. I didn't feel good at halftime. I thought the game was going to open up in the second half when I was going to score some points, which they did. That's more, more, my feeling at halftime. They were more dominant. We were just holding on. Our defence on the uh, goal line was actually pretty good in the first half. And we were turning them away a few times. But, uh, yeah, what, what was your thoughts on that? I think for me... That game um, was probably, it probably played out the way I feared it would. I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the podcast. I think I did, but last week during the preview, um, the Broncos pack, how big they are. Uh, Peg Eye Jr., Payne Haas, those type of players. Um, 
they just really, right from the kickoff, really bent back our defensive line and really couldn't control them. Our defense mm. on, on the try line in the first half was good, but they were making easy meters straight off the kickoff. And um, it wasn't great. Was I, it? No, it wasn't great. I don't want to sound a bit like Dean Pay, but I think Tommen was definitely missed the good minutes he plays in the game, 50, odd, <laughs> yeah. 50 to 60 minutes a game. Like, we've asked Elliot to play more minutes. We've, he actually played the whole game, Elliot. <laughs> Asking on younger forwards to step up, and I think um, missing Tolman, like you know, someone like Tolman <laughs> churned out the eighty minutes if he was available, because he would have been my choice to play eighty. And I felt like he—I don't think I've ever seen him miss a large number of tackles before ever. So yeah. I think he was definitely missed, but I don't know—he might have stopped the scoreline blowing out as much. But yeah. I still think they would have bent us back with him in the side. Yeah, yeah. And Payne Haas, for like the Brisbane perspective, really led that forward pack. Uh, so from a non-Bulldog perspective, it's probably good to see a young forward lead a forward pack like that. So it's good signs for Brisbane going forward. Uh, but overall, I just think the Brisbane uh, team had more quality than us on the field. And yeah, we did miss Tolman, we missed Sue as well. Yeah, so I said Sue would have been someone who would have probably would have stood in Tolman's shoes as well and playing and probably taking the eight jersey for that yeah. week if he wasn't injured. And he's someone who's been playing some quality minutes. He's, he's been averaging around the 30-minute mark, but the, the thing he adds to it is the quality he puts in those 30 minutes. He makes almost 100 metres a game after only half an hour. And he, yeah. he, you can always look back at the Belmore game when he carried four Storm um, defenders over the line and the game against the Raiders when he chased and never gave up and he knocked out uh, Nicol Codstead from the knocked him over. So yeah. Sue's been a great play for us. However... Um, yeah, in the Broncos' point of view, I'd also like to highlight, if we look at the Broncos' point of view, that Darius Boyd playing 5'8". I thought he played really well at 5'8". I think it's one of his best games of the season. And I feel like he got some confidence back against that game. So he might have accidentally, um, what, some, might have accidentally played the Broncos into some form <laughs> leading into the yeah. finals. Well, they're now, <laughs> one they're now one point out of the eight now. So yeah. they're in 10th spot with the Warriors and Knights on the same amount of points. Yeah, um, so- yeah. Do you want to highlight some of the uh, the poor stats from the weekend? Yeah. I think these uh, stats actually went out on Twitter. but I wouldn't like to, but I will. Uh, 56 missed tackles as a team. And I'll yeah. just read through the players. Every single player had at least one missed tackle. So I'll highlight that, but we're only going to highlight the top ones. Adam Elliott, who made 45 tackles, missed 10. Jeremy Marshall King made 19 but missed 6 and limited game time. Brandon yeah. Wakeman made 19 and missed 6. Ogden made 22 and missed five. Chris Smith coming off the bench made 23 and missed five. Uh, Corey Harianaira made 22 but missed five. But I also say he played most of the game out of position or in the set in the centres. So yeah. And Danny Falalo, who came back in the top grade side, made 22 and missed four. Yeah, so not good reading there, is it? No, it's not great reading at all. Um, Whatever you make. 56 missed tackles as a team, you're not going not gonna to win a game. You're not going to come close to winning a game. Yeah. Those type of stats. No, we're not going to come close. Not even uh, It's also, uh, just having a look here quickly, uh, I think I saw Corey Howard and Naira um, why I attempt to quickly use the uh, stats machine. <laughs> um, so he only made seven runs in that game. 52 metres. Yeah. Four post contact metres. Well, 
he's had a good run early on in the game when he's playing the second row. Yeah. And then from the moment Montoya went off injured and he put him at centre, we it felt like he never touched the ball since. Yeah, we've definitely lost something on the edges there, didn't we? We didn't make oh. the, the most of our edge attack in that game, but then at the same time, we really weren't allowed to by Brisbane. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's true. But I almost would have rather if we maybe put like a Chris Smith at centre. Because it seemed like every single time they got the centre, he never touched the ball. Yeah. And a strike runner. Would, I want him to touch the ball more than any other forward or any other like player in an attacking situation. So, quite interesting. But I uh, know he's had a history of playing centre, so it kind of fits in. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's much more we can say about that disappointment. Uh, Even the NRL that. officials made some mistakes with the interchange. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so... In the uh, game when Corey got a penalty, uh, penalty went to the Bulldogs for Katoni Stakes for lifting the knee and knocked Corey across, maybe across the face, but the shoulder. Yeah. So the, the tackle was put on report. Corey came off the field because when a player's been put on the report, you get a free in a change. Yep. Corey went off. They put the HIA card up, which is the wrong card because that means he's got 15 minutes to get back on the field. They put yeah. the wrong card. It's not going to be a free interchange card. As he went off, he came back on like 15 seconds later. That's why his stats say 79 minutes. Because Dylan Malpa went off. Yeah. <laughs> so he walked straight back on the field again. So the free interchange must have been the world's quickest free interchange. On and off he went. World's quickest Good. HIA. Well, yeah. Well, he got the free interchange <laughs> back on. Yeah. It's not the wrong card. The NRL official took the wrong card off the Bulldogs. He, he's meant Absolutely. to pick up the free interchange, not the HIA card. That's, I just want to go through that. Yeah. But I think I mean, if you watch Fox League, that game, I think Andy Raymond summed it up perfectly. Yeah. Through that, Fox, so. Fox were quick on to it, but they're not quick to clear it up as well. So. Good yeah. work, Andy. Yeah. And congratulations to the Broncos on winning and uh, resurrecting their season. The Bulldogs are now, I think, math- mathematically one of only two teams out of the race to the finals. Well, so, well, I did the mathematical. If results go our way, we need to win every game and hopefully four and against goes on our way. So, yes. Yeah, we're working, yeah. On tw- 20, <laughs> working on 28 points making the finals. Pro- maybe 27 because of that draw between the Warriors and the Broncos, but don't is think 26 will make it. But our four and against is horrendous. Yes. <laughs> Even if we did. All right. Them. Going into Jersey flag. Last mm-hmm. week, the Bulldogs played the Victoria Thunderbolts, finished in an 18 all draw. So, another disappointing result for the Dogs on the weekend. Yeah, it was disappointing. Um, they've, they came back off a two week break, as everyone has. They had to travel to Victoria, which is yeah. not, not easy, especially on your way back. They would have probably preferred to play somewhere in Sydney. Um, they did come back. The Thunderbolts did go 18 12, but they did score a late try. To level, to level the game up, so they did take something away from it. So even though they were disappointing, they were still able to take a point away, which would be something for the coaching staff to look at and be at least resolute and proud because all, all reports they weren't playing great. No, the Thunderbolts have uh, only won what two games this season. Yes, they yes, yeah, so they've only won two games, and I'm pretty sure they've both been at home too. So they don't have. Yeah. yeah, so they've only, they've only won two games and they're only on top of the 12th position. The only teams they're on top of are Manly and North Sydney. So yes. not a good Jersey played season for uh, the northern suburbs of Sydney there. Yeah, that's not a good season. But before we move on in any topic, I see, quickly seen you dodge this one because we spoke about this before we started. Player of the match, the Bulldogs player of the match against Brisbane. Oh, yeah, that real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I knew you wanted to dodge that, so I wanted to get you back on it. And I want you to 
Yeah, well, there wasn't a player of the match. That's why we continued on, I reckon. <laughs> you said every week last week we have to pick someone. So, hey, come on, pick someone. All right, you caught me there. So, who was your uh, player of the match out of the game between Brisbane and Canterbury for the Bulldogs? My one, I have to go. I have to go to the skipper, Josh Jackson. I think he played really well. Did his uh, the the cover tackle he did? I think it just empathises who he is as a player, never giving up. And I think really that was mainly a highlight from the game, apart from Braden Wakeham scoring his first NRL try, which was awarded by Belinda uh, Belinda Sharp. So Braden Wakeham's yeah. first ever try was awarded by the first female referee. That's a bit some fun for you. Well, they, that's that's a trivia question in 10 years. Yeah, Who so, scored the first try that was awarded by a female referee? And I noted that down, it was his first try as well. Yep, there that's you go. That's on top of it too. But Josh, Josh Jackson's uh, tackle there reminded me of last week's birthday boy, Steve Mortimer. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. When Covering I was, tackle. The Mortimer tackle, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, 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 we'll agree with that. Uh, Josh Jackson's effort probably one of the only players on the field that um, you could probably say uh, gave full and complete effort on a weekend or on Thursday night. Uh, and he does that every week. So, mail the match for the NRL fans podcast is Josh Jackson. Agreeing again. Two weeks, two weeks in a row of agreeing on the same player. Yeah, well, I don't really have one, so I'm just going with what, <laughs> what you said. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Before we move on, in the Jersey flag, the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs fifth place will take on the first place Cronulla Sharks at 12.45pm at Henson Park. And following that game is the 10th place Newtown Jets versus the first place Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. It is the beer festival at Henson Park this Saturday. So if you have the Saturday free, it's a great day at Henson Park. I would encourage you to go watch some junior dogs with a couple of beers. Okay, uh, now it's the time of the week for Old Dog. Scotty, do you want to tell uh, tell the people who the Old Dog is this week? Yeah, I will. I'm going to keep this in, th- in theme. We were versing the Sydney Roosters this weekend at ANZ Stadium. Um, we I'm going with Steve Gearin, the greatest grand final try, the greatest grand final try ever. Yeah. If you ask me, I might have blown white eyes on, but what a try that was! And I think um, he's a fitting person to go for Old Dog this week, Matthew. Yeah, well, West Tigers fans might have an argument with you there. The Benji, the Benji flick for Pat Richards. But, uh, level ball. Uh, Steve Gearin caught a ball from a level ball in the air. This is way better. <laughs> yeah, Steve Gearin kicking a, a football from Greg Brett, uh, catching a football from Greg Brettmore, sorry. Uh, Gearin ended up playing 127 games for the Bulldogs. In that, he got 70 tries, 437 goals, 1,006 points, and of course, was a Premiership winner in 1980. He did go on to play for the Dragons, 47 games, 15 tries, 161 goals, 382 points. And in 1986, uh, 1985 came back to the Bulldogs, uh, but then in 1986 couldn't make top grade and then ended up playing three games mainly. Haven't uh, we, we had some wingers goal kickers? Has he started yeah. the trend yeah, with the Bulldogs? Did he? Halligan, oh, Avesri, even Nick Halligan or Madre and Gearin. Nick Meany's now goal kicking in today's <laughs> in today's game. So and he's on the wing. So we must maybe it's a thing. Maybe Nick Meany want to be a goal kicker. We shifted him onto the wing. I don't know. I think the thing that uh, Steve Gearin is probably most remembered for is that try that we are speaking about. And uh, 
there's a quote here from 2015 of Steve Garrett looking back on the try. Uh, do you want to read that one out, Scotty? Yeah. So he said, uh, GB, meaning Britnell, kicked the ball. I ran after it and it pretty much fell into my arms. It was one of those lucky things. It closed up the match. One of those moments, very proud and very respectful of the situation too. The Bulldogs hadn't won a comp in 40-odd years. East were a good side. We stand. Oh, we, we, played played pretty. Pretty good, we played pretty good footy all year. I looked straight up to the old man who was sitting in the ladies' stand. I thought to myself, what have I done here? Everything just went right. It was one of those freak things that just happened. I remember thinking, how good was that? Yeah. I think a lot of people in the stands were in the Canterbury Leagues <laughs> were thinking the same thing. How good is that? <laughs> Steve Deeran, one of the great grand final tries, and he is our old dog for the week. Okay, guys, uh, this week we come up against the City Roosters at ANZ Stadium, as we mentioned earlier in, um, in the podcast. And we'll start with the lineup. Um, the lineup for the Bulldogs is fullback Dallin Mutelli Zalazniak, the wingers are Nick Meany and Remus Smith. Kieran Holland is uh, returning in the centres for Montoya. Uh, Will Hopper White is the other centre. In the hard, Jack Cogger and Lachlan Lewis, who returns in place of Brendan Wakeham. Forward, uh, Aidan Tolman, Michael Leacher, and Dylan Napa. Captain and second rowers, uh, Josh Jackson. His partner, Corey Javier Naira. Adam Elliott, despite making 10 missed tackles last weekend, locks the scrum. On the bench, Jeremy Marshall King, Bernard Tuomaga, Teddy Falalo, and Chris Smith. The reserves are Raymond Patala Mariner, Kieran Foran, Jaden Okulba, and Othahiki Ogden. Mm. Uh, the squad, I'm not particularly happy. And I first thought, we played poor against Brisbane, and Dean Pace said earlier this year, Corey was dropped for missing too many tackles. Yeah. So my question to you is, why is Elliot starting at lock? Um, the another theory I have is, I'm sure of it, I'm sure that Kieran Fodd's going to play this weekend. Yeah. I don't know if he comes onto the bench for Jerry Marshall King, or does he come oh. into the side for Jack Cogger? Cogger, you reckon? Well, Cogger's been shifted from seven to six. Why is that? Unless he's out. That's what uh, like could, he played halfback yeah. last week. Could just be a throw-off. It could, could be. Could be a uh, foreign uh, coming in to replace Lewis, I reckon. You reckon, and after all that, promo- all that promotion, that Lachlan Lewis back at halfback, they've got to just drop him and kick off? It'd be the best uh, throw-off, wouldn't it? It Although would I don't be. Think don't think it's going to matter too much this week. They're up against a very strong Rooster side. Oh, I mean, I'm... I'm not too sh- sure how Lachlan Lewis gets straight back in the starting side coming back from an ankle injury. He's been out for a long time and he's straight back in the starting side. It's, he's playing reserve grade before that. It wasn't like he was a cemented halfback for us and he yeah. comes straight back in, so it doesn't make sense. I mean, unless, I don't know, unless we're going to... He might be on the bench. Maybe. Maybe one of them come off the bench as a utility. Maybe. Yeah, I, I feel know. sorry That's... for Brent. I feel sorry for Brendan Waker being dropped. Uh, He's not even on the twenty-one man squad. Yeah, he made um, six missed tackles on the weekend, but pretty harsh to uh, remove him. Scored the early try, and at times probably looked like the only real attacking threat that we yeah. had through that first half. So yeah, it's a bit disappointing, especially he showed his 
he's really young and he's going to occasionally stuff up a little bit, but I thought he yeah, showed well. real... It looks like a long-term half. I feel like he's got more potential. He's probably got more potential than Koga and Lewis at the moment. Uh, with us not being able to make the finals this year, you'd reckon you just throw him in for the rest of the season to give him some valuable experience. Well, another thought, you've got Kieran Holland coming in at centre. Yeah. Someone like Morgan Harper comes to mind. This finals are gone. That he's yeah. uh, a centre. He's been dominating the uh, the Kenry Cup. Yeah, um, he's dominated it. He, most people remember him from winning the grand final by the one-on-one steal against Newtown. He's a very yeah. classy player and a very crafty player at that level. That you'd thought that maybe he would have got a shot. He's not even in the twenty-one man squad either. He hasn't been all well, year. Maybe Maybe it's a goalkeeping reason. If you look at the reserves, we've got Ockenbar back onto the reserve list. Maybe we'll see a late change. Ockenbar in, mainly out. That will give us uh, some more size out on the edges. And then Holland will be a goal kicker, perhaps. But, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the reason why. But oh, I don't know. Morgan Harper's a goal kicker too. Hasn't kicked at LRL level, though. No, he hasn't kicked at LRL level. But young guy. Holland, Holland has shown that he, he can. He no, can't can't make the finals, but Dean Pay probably doesn't want to be fired because he wins the go- uh, the uh, would have spurred because of a couple of missed goal attempts. Well, I suppose maybe that's why Holland gets in. But uh, is there a maybe. way we could is there a way we could put Holland on the wing or something and put Morgan Harper at centre or vice versa? Possible to fit, Holland, fit Holland was named at uh, fullback a couple of weeks ago in the Canterbury Cup, so and he played some good footy there too. He got yeah, some good. There you go. But Dallin's been playing. Exceptional fullbacks, they don't move him out of the way. No, I wasn't, I wasn't suggesting you play him at fullback, I was just saying that obviously he can he can catch and position himself under high balls. Mm. Um, he's playing fullback, but there you go. Uh, the Roosters, very strong team Tedesco, Tupu, Mitchell, Manu, and Hall, the back five, Kiri and Kronk in the halves, Lira Hargraves, Radler, Takiaho, Porter, Orbison. And Louis, the pack, the benches, Verrills, Tilavano, Crichton, and Brett Morris. I think it's more or for the first time since leaving. Uh, mm. Tupanua, Barbicelli, Lamb, and Smith are the reserves. Uh, where's the league spot there, Scott? Um, maybe a winger on the bench, but he played centre. <laughs> he came in last minute, Brett Morris, but I don't think he's ever considered a weakness. If he's the weakest part of the team, geez, you've got a yeah, very we're in trouble. Maybe Victor Radley at hooker. That there's no Jake Friend. It's right. some of the recent was... service is a bit slower compared to Jake Friend. So I don't maybe know. Jake Friend's out again. I wouldn't say that's a weakness. Victor Redley was absolutely killing it in the first half of the season without Jake Friend in the team. Well, yeah, there's a few so. games where they back uh, where they lost a few that I think he got the easy blame target because he's the someone who usually plays longer well, off the bench. He's, he's, yeah, well, he's not a regular hooker, so it's easy just to throw the blame on the, the non-hooker player. That's what I'm saying is the weakness. Is A good player is the weakness. <laughs> a great player is a weakness. I don't know. Um, I think the Roosters could go back-to-back premierships this year. They're probably the best. If you look at the last 20 years, they're probably the best position team to go back-to-back mm. uh, from all the pre- previous season's premiers. So uh, it's gonna, I think we're going to be in for another hard day at the office this weekend at ANZ Stadium. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to say it, but I've got a feeling that it could be a 20-plus scoreline. Difference. With, with the Roosters on yeah. top. The other thing is, Roosters are really starting to ramp up their run to the finals. I think they're in third position. Um, same amount of points as South on second, I'm pretty sure. And uh, 
they'll really be looking to make sure they um, wrap it up, make sure they finish in, uh, high up in the, in the top two at least, and really give themselves a, an easier run throughout the finals. Well, all the um, origin players have been rested. They've had to rest and copped a few, like Corden, like Corden's been rested yeah. a few weeks back. Um, Latrell Mitchell got rested after that first origin game. Um, they rested Tedesco. They even, I know Crom's not an origin player, but they've rested him throughout the year. So they've seemed to rotate the resting thing. And now it looks like it's boom, this is our best 17. This is what's going to win. But if only if I could suggest, the only thing I can think of a late change, which I think might be silly, I don't know if they're giving Joseph Manu a rest last week because he played fullback a lot this year. Yeah. At Tedesco. Maybe they gave him a rest last week. I'm not too sure why they knocked him out of the squad. But maybe Brett Morris might come and start centre again. With another yeah, forward on the bench, possibly. maybe that might be the only change. But if they, I don't know why they're resting him because he's been really well for them. He's gone really well, no matter if he's playing centre or fullback for the Roosters. Well, previously this season, um, they've lined, they've named a team like this, and Ryan Hawes actually dropped out of the seventeen, Brett Morris onto the wing, and maybe a Tupanua from the reserves into the into the uh, onto the bench. It's even that wouldn't even that uh, be a pretty tough tough player to come up against. I've seen a lot of um, negative stuff on social media regarding Ryan Hall about apparently not being an NRL standard, but he makes good meters in the game and he's hard to tackle. So I think the the thing you got to remember about Ryan Hall is in in the Super League finals last year he did an ACL, so he yeah, won't yeah. be he won't be back to a hundred percent fitness until well, they say twelve to eighteen months afterwards. So he might not be back to a hundred percent fitness uh, until the start of next season. Yeah, but it's still hard to tackle, so it's hard to yeah. help someone like him. He still makes good meters, and he's hard to tackle. He's a big winger, and yeah, so um, you definitely I, don't. I, I think he's doing decent, but he's. I think he's not at peak fitness because of that ACL. He hasn't been able to train he, uh, properly throughout the off season, obviously, and then uh, he's come back and he's had to catch up to everyone else who's already been who's already had a half a season on top of him. So, yeah. But and he's holding his he's holding his own, so uh next season, uh, I reckon we'll see the best out of Ryan Hall. I reckon we've got a tough challenges on the edges this week with uh you know, got Nick Mania pretty sure we'll line up against Demo Tupo mm. in the wing. Very different size advantages. Nick Mania very small. And you've got Remus Smith up against Ryan Hall. Big and powerful and strong. You get them one on one, it could um Remus has got a tough job on Tough job in trying to tackle Ryan Hall or get him out of the field with the size of any. So it could be they've got a nice attacking around the edges, which we might struggle with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I'm a bit. All right, so summing up, uh, we both think that we're in for a tough game this week. Yes. So, <laughs> Very unfortunately, Roosters to win, they won't show any mercy against us. Uh, I think that finishes off for the preview. It's time for Rugby League World. Scott, what are the topics this week? We're going to look at the Kikau shoulder charge ban, and then we're also going to look at the World Cup nines being launched. So we're going to go. We're going to kick off with Kikau. What's your yep. views on the shoulder charge? He's been suspended for a shoulder charge, not a late hit, a shoulder charge. What's your views on that? I thought he had enough arms in there for it to not be a shoulder charge. Yeah, I, I actually agree. Um, at first, a lot of people comparing it to the Billy Slater from the prelim finals last year because Bully missed the grand final. At first, I must admit, I thought Billy Slater was guilty. But when you looked over and over again, and you saw the arm wrapped. Yeah. If that's the precedence there, that means I kick out gets off as well. 
and it's not wasn't late. What about what about Dufty on the weekend? Did he get charged for his tackle? No, he's in the. He got penalised on the field, but his tackle was identical to Billy Slater's. If you look at Billy Slater and uh, Dufty's tackle, both of them have. I think it's the, they're coming over to the right hand edge. Both of them lead with the shoulder and then throw out the right hand. Uh, right. That, that counts as the wrapping action. So the, uh, those were 100% identical. Kickout came in. At, I think what looked bad for Kickout was he's so tall and the player he came up against was quite short. So he's had to bend down a lot further, which makes it look like a shoulder charge. But he definitely wrapped the arms. On the other end, ridiculous, ridiculous suspension. Uh, two weeks as well. Ridiculous. The only good, the only good thing about that is we verse Penrith next week, so he's out for that one. It's the only one thing I was happy about. But no, um, well, if that's the case, I think he's guilty. That was definitely yeah. the shoulder charge. Uh, he's lucky to only get two weeks. <laughs> it changed the tune when we, you know, we're versing him on the week after and he misses the game. <laughs> but yeah, so to yeah, summarise that one, we both seem to agree. There's no disagreement here. Kick out should be free to play and we should be versing him next week, which I hope, which I'm glad we're not. Yeah, now also, what ha- now what else has happened this week is the World Cup Nines have been launched and as we know, the World Cup Nines will be hosted at the new Bankwest Stadium, which we're also playing a home game there, so um, very exciting, it's a very good venue. I also yeah. read up earlier this week, they're expecting over 50,000 for the two-day event, which would be enormous for the area. But um, what's your views on the World Cup Nines? Um, Oh, Looking forward to it, not liking it. What 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 are you going with? Fantastic event, great. Is it nines football is a great way to um, promote the game and spread the game, develop the game across the world. Um, it's already been used throughout the Americas and Europe and Africa as a way of getting countries and nations started in rugby league uh, to learn the basics before they move on to a full thirteen game. Uh, putting it on this this massive platform, calling it a World Cup and having the best stars involved, that's just going to be able to uh, lift that lift that uh, platform higher. And uh, you look at, you don't really want to talk about rugby union, but look what Seven's done for union. Um, yeah. I don't, don't think we need to compare and say that Nines will do the exact same thing for league, but it's definitely a um, an event for the game, for the International Federation to sell. <coughs> The NRL has the rights for the first two World Cup nights, but after that, it goes back to the National Federation. It's uh, definitely an event to sell, um, to make money, more money into the uh, International Federation. It's, it's better for the game. Yeah, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they call min- or second-tier nations. Yeah. I reckon it's a good chance for them to really win, like the Tongans and Samoa. Samoa. They've got a... They've got, a lot of the sides have got big, powerful forwards and skillful forwards. Like you look at Tonga Fafida and uh, Tamalala offloads, and they've got speed. I reckon it's a good opportunity for them to actually surprise a few of the um, you spoke of the um, major or the bigger nations, top three nations, top tier. So, um, but um, I'm, what I'm really we've already about, seen a few nations in thirteens come close to uh, the big nations. We've had New Zealand tie with Scotland. We've had. Samoa couple within 12 points of New Zealand. Tom is defending New Zealand. So, I'm lucky for New Zealand. But um, that's happening in the 13-man game. Who well, knows what could happen in the nines? Um, I think we'll close the gap. Especially if, like, you don't want to see it, but especially if uh, there's a few injuries to one team or another. Uh, I think England will probably struggle in this. Uh, 
they've got the Great Britain tour as well, uh, which is another topic. But uh, the Downey is part of that. Then they've got the World Cup Nines. Uh, and they do play a more of an attacking game in the Super League than we see in the NRL. But in saying that, they don't have the athletes that the Pacific nations have. So I think England could struggle. Um, Watch them win now. Sorry? Watch, Watch them win the tournament. <laughs> um, the USA uh, are in a rough, rough group. Actually, mm. have you got the groups there, Scott? Well, I don't actually have the groups up. I did view them the other day, but I can... We'll, we'll, run, uh, we'll run through the groups real quick. Uh, group A, Australia, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, USA. Group B uh, is a Europe group, England, France, Europe and Middle East. England, France, Lebanon, Wales. Uh, group C, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji and the Cook Islands. So a bit of a Pacific group at the end there. Top two from Group A go to the uh, semi-finals, and the winner of Group B and Group C go to the semi-finals as well. But, yeah, hopefully we can see a few upsets. It should be a great two days. Uh, Nights football turns into a festival of rugby league, which uh, is fantastic. Um, there's a couple of rule changes as well. Have you heard about that, Scotty? Yeah, the 2040 rule being trialled out was the big one I've heard. Um, uh, it's the exact same as the 4020, but in the opposite direction. Yeah, so that'd be interesting. That's good. It's, this is also a good tournament to actually trial these um, things out like they did before trialling the bonus try, bonus zone as well. So it's a good opportunity. Well, they're doing that again. There's a bo- bonus try at the World Cup. Nines. Well, now it's just the nines rule. Um, a 25-second shot clock for a drop kick conversion. Yeah, so, uh, Hurry up and kick them all. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> and, a golden tri- and a golden try if a match is drawn. Yeah. Which a lot of people have spoken about getting rid of the field goals in extra time and making it a try. Yeah, well, which... I, have, I, have, I have a problem with golden try. Because um, if you make if you make a rule in the NRL or in, in any sport, what you've got to do is work out how it affects other parts of the game. So... And I'm not saying that this is likely to happen, but if a golden try ends the game, but you're still allowed to kick field goals, <clears throat> so if it's 20-20, it's gone to golden try, team kicks a field goal 21-20, play on until the end of time, and then the time ends, but one team's up 21-20, the team with 21 wins. Makes sense. What if a team kicks five field goals, and then the other team scores a try? The team that scores has just finished the game as losers. Oh yeah, that's something. That's an interesting. That's what I was thinking too. Like it's, it's not like, going to happen in nines football. Because like if you bring it to a thirteen, it's it's probably unlikely to happen in a thirteens game of football. But the reality is, underneath that rule, there's an opportunity. Um, you look at all the possibilities. That's right. Of that happening. So that's that. Well, you can't uh, bend the field goal because you bend the field goal in that situation. You've got to bend the field goal in the whole game. Well, you can't change the rules for yeah. You can't just change the the rules for the entire sport. Yeah, so you've got to ban the field goal for the normal. Okay. The other thing, people that have a go at golden point say, oh, it's just a, a field goal shootout. Well, if you got rid of golden point, the last 10 minutes of a normal game will be a field goal shootout. Yeah. So well, I'd, I'd, I'd rather watch it as an extra time period than lose 10 minutes of the actual game because teams are just trying to kick the field goal. Well, it almost, it almost is anyway now, though. especially the last five minutes of a the game, they usually shoot for field goals anyway. Yeah. That's so they might probably uh, even push out to the last 15. Might yeah. be a full shot off if it's at the level. Um, so to wrap it up, who's going to win the World Cup nine, Scotty? I am. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go Australia. Being yeah. 
But um, I've read earlier that Mal Munga's taking it very seriously. Yeah. So people like Kale and Ponga, Damian Cook, they should they should tear up nines. But my I suppose my I'm gonna go for a Australia Tonga final. Australia Tonga final. Yes, that's my final. Fair enough. I, I do think I do think Australia will win. Um, in the nines, I if I was going to pick a smoky, I'd go with um, Fiji. Mm, that would be interesting. Nines yeah. football is very Fiji, Fiji style football. Um, I suppose you're right. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I read somewhere that um, this is actually the second World Nines. There you go. Yeah, well, so there you go. The first one actually took place in, um, well, actually, looking at it in front of me, it's actually the third World Nines. The first two took place underneath the Super League banner in 1996 and 1997. Mm. So in 96, 16 squads, Peter and Suva. Uh, Mount Malika was part of was the Australian coach. So there you go. Um, and then in 1997, uh, 12 teams competed in Townsville. Uh, Australian coach was Tim Sheens on that occasion. Uh, 96, actually the winners of both of those tournaments, 96 and 97, were New Zealand. Well, they so could do it again. New Zealand defeated Papua New Guinea 24-10 in 1996, and they defeated uh, Western Samoa 16-0 in well, 1997. Well, they could do it again with the lineup of having Dallin Motelli, Zezia, Gordon Tuvasa, Sheik, Sean Johnson. Yeah, they could be. They could be look a, like he's specially made for the nine, so. They could be a smoky as well, couldn't they? Well, All right, let's go on to our listener topics. Topic number one Scotty, should we bring back Josh Jackson in 2020? This one has been sent in by the <laughs> Josh Reynolds, not Jackson. Yeah. Did I say Jackson, did I? You <laughs> said Jackson. <laughs> Sorry, Trent Halfland asks, should we bring back Josh Reynolds in 2020? Oh, this is a difficult one. This is a very, very difficult one because you know me, I love Josh Reynolds. I'm going to go with, yes, we should bring him back. Yeah. With the exception that the West Tigers, because these, the West Tigers are releasing him, that we get him on a cheap deal. Yeah. Not, I do not want to be paying 500000 for Josh Reynolds or 600000 for Josh Reynolds if using reported figures. I wouldn't mind getting him on three hundred or two fifty. Well, the next topic of listener topic is Kieran Foran. So my answer goes into uh, probably merges these two topics. Should the Bulldogs bring back Josh Jackson in twenty twenty? Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds. I don't know you why I keep saying Josh Jackson. <laughs> uh, if we had thirteen Josh Jacksons, we'd be doing all right, though, wouldn't we? Well, it would be. Um, it might be a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. If we lose Kieran Foran. I think we have to bring back Josh Reynolds. There's no other experienced half on on the scene. We can't just lose Foran and have Lewis, Cogger, and Wakem. No experience whatsoever between them. Another argument is both of them the last few years have sit more times on the sideline than actually put it, putting yeah. the jersey on. So yeah. do we? Josh Josh Reynolds is is a bulldog man, and I'd love to see a bulldog man back at the Bulldogs to finish his career. Um, but obviously, that will have to will have to be weighed up with our squad going forward, um, and what's best for the team overall. But I, there's not too many halves out there, is there? No, you can't really think of too many halves who are off contract. 
yeah. who would add value to us. Unless we, the only ones you can think of are young halves, and we've got plenty of young, talented halves. But we yeah. probably need some seniority who will play most of the time. We'll so, play yeah. With. yeah, so... If we can convince Cooper Cron to not retire, I'll take him. But um, <laughs> but we might. I think we if we if we lose for him, um, which makes sense from a salary cap point of view, and we're the clubs in a situation where we're all about fixing that salary cap as quick as possible. Um, then I just releasing for him and then getting Josh Jackson, uh, Josh Reynolds, uh, on the cheap would then um, would then free up a. Probably free up some money to buy a second player as well, if not a yeah. third player. So that's that. Uh, and while we're on players, to Trevojevic brothers, Bulldogs are reportedly chasing um, Jake and Tom Trevojevic um, to get into the club and really rebuild the club around those two players. What are your thoughts, Scotty? Well, who else would you chase? Them two seem to um, do it all. If you watch Origin, Jake won yeah. the man of the match in Perth when Tom was scoring all the tries and Jake played the 80 minutes in the front row and um, he plays lock, he's got ball handling skills, he becomes almost another half in attack when you're in the danger zone. Yep. When we're in the 20 and 30, he becomes almost another half if he's short yeah. ball, long ball. And then Tom Dvojevic, watching when you watch Manly, you, they sniff around each other all game and they always seem to make a break. I don't know how they keep doing it all the time, but um, if you have the I money... It's definitely what, the target. All the bullets to go after. We need to be trying to make these moves to pull out, carve out the situation that we're in. Whether we get them or not, that's another story, I think. Um, Another thing is it could make Manly offer him a lot and have Cherry Evans and the Trevojevic brothers knocking a big chunk of their salary cap, and they've only got really three real star players. So that, another fascinating yeah. thing. Which Melbourne have been able to do for a long period of time, but can Manly do it? No other team has shown that they can do it. So. Um, <laughs> It, it's interesting. Can if Manly pull pull these two signatures off? Does Manly is Des putting Manly in a situation where he left him in last time and left us in, or <laughs> is or is he um, going to be able to pull off what Melbourne do year in year out? Don't well, know. Well, by his track record, he's failed both times, so I wouldn't be confident yeah. if I was a Manly fan. <laughs> but then, even if they do sign these two players. Yeah. and still have Cherry Evans on for a few more years. How many young players do they have that will be coming off contract or who'll be grabs, up for grabs? Yeah. Sure. They'll, ha- they'll have a decent squad of players. They've already got a lot of young players playing a lot of games now. They've got great experience. But yeah. even if you can't get to Dvojevic brothers, you'll be able to sniff around some of the other players, which would mean they'd have to test more younger players in the future. So if you don't get them, they're a target for if they do keep Dvojevic, is there a target for other That's young right. players? Belize, Fadu, and um, that half, Jake Cust, Cade Cust. Cade um, and Croker. Well, they, they have reportedly said that Coruscant can go look for a new club. So maybe Coruscant might be a good good uh, addition to our club, actually. Well, that's the rumour already as well, that he's there you go. out by the Bulldogs. So um, he might be good. It depends. I mean, we do need Hawker. But... Even yep. though we've been saying how good Michael Leach has been the past few weeks, we looked at him last week and we remember the Leach of old. He threw a board of Broncos player. He just picked. Up, he's just doing some <laughs> silly stuff. So it's like he's gone back to the old again. So it would be nice to get a Coruscant who did win the grand final against us in 2014. <laughs> yeah. If you remember, yeah, he did. 
I think it's time for Leach to go. Uh, Coruscant would be a, a great replacement, I reckon. Coruscant start, Marshall kick off the bench. Have them Maybe. Go well, that'd be good. I think Coruscant can actually almost play the 80 as well. So. Yeah, but Marshall Kings, in my mind, is not a half, so we've got to keep him. He's hooker off the bench if we got Coruscant. Hooker off the reserve grade. All right, and the last topic we've got for this week's podcast is the Bulldogs have announced the home stadiums for uh, the season's upcoming. Scotty, mm-hmm. would you like to read out the announcement? So through the week, the Bulldogs gave, gave members an email that says the club will continue in its second year and to play the home match at Suncorp, uh, the Magic Weekend at Suncorp Stadium, so they will host another home game there. The club will continue to play one game at Belmore Sports Ground, like this year. Um, and B- Bank West will be for next year the additional matches in Sydney after the ANZ redevelopment, being after the Origin One. And in addition to that, the club will take a home match to Perth, which is HBF Stadium or Park which uh, take a home game to Perth for the next three seasons, starting in 2020. So that's the major announcement from the club. So if we summarise that, ANZ Stadium will be replaced by Bank West Stadium. In, in that yep. sense, uh, we will play that one game next year at Suncorp Stadium and for the Magic Weekend, and we'll continue to play a home game at Belmont Sports Ground. So what are your thoughts about the... New home games announced. Obviously, recording also one game in Perth. Well, there's well. been some controversy on Twitter. A lot of people are upset that games are being taken away from Sydney. Um, I think that's a little bit short-sighted to be tripled. I think the announcement was um, perfect. Really good announcement by the Bulldogs. A game at Magic Round gives us funding from the NRL. Uh, I think it hundreds of thousands of dollars for playing at Magic Round um, to replace one of our home games. That's great coffers. That's great money into our coffers at the club. Uh, game at Perth, that's um, being negotiated with WA Tourism, so uh, part of the WA government. They're paying for that as well. So a lot so more money. Coming. Sorry? So it's another sponsor for the club. We might <coughs> that's right, wearing so that more, jersey. So basically, the game in Brisbane, the game in Perth is going to give us so much money. Uh, we don't know the exact figures, but I, um, I'd say it's close to a million dollars just playing okay. those two games. Now we look at the replacement from ANZ Stadium. Yes, yeah, so Bank, Bank West. So we don't know how many games we're playing at ANZ next, next year. We could be playing six. We could be playing eight, depending so on depend, the draw. Depends on how the draw, heavy yeah. our, How top-heavy our draw is. It could be even only four. So it uh, depends how top-heavy our draw is in the home run, uh, the, the opening stretch. So but, for people that don't know, the draw is set by the NRL, and then the clubs choose where they play their home games. So the NRL might say your home games are around one, two, five, and six, and then it's up to the, NRL, uh, the clubs to go, okay, we'll play one here, two there, five here, six there. Um, <laughs> the NRL do work with clubs around stadium availability um, for teams that share stadiums. Uh, with other codes. Um, so, so the Roosters this year with the SCG, that sort of thing. Um, so the Bulldogs have also asked the NRL to play the majority of its home games before Origin 1 because of, uh, I, I believe, Origin 1 is at ANZ and after that, that's when they're locking the correct. stadium down. Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the games will be at Bank West. This decision was made months ago, to be honest. 
fifth lot a year ago. Um, well, the, Bulldogs, the Bulldogs and the Rabbitohs were involved with the uh, conversation between the NRL and the government about what to do with the stadiums and when to pull them down, the timeframes and all that. Dogs and South were involved regarding of their needs for the new ANZ Stadium and what they mm. might have seen with the upgrades. But they were also a part of that negotiation was uh, also being involved about where these clubs play when the stadium's out of whack. I think it was always planned that the Bulldogs and South would play majority of the home games at Bankwest Stadium while ANZ's out. Um, yeah. Bankwest Stadium is owned by the same by Stadiums New South Wales, who also own Stadium Australia or ANZ Stadium. Yeah. Um, by the Venues Live Group. So it makes it really easy for us to be able to continue our partnership with uh, yeah, Venues Live, um, which we do have a contract with. So that makes it really easy to, to move it to Bank West. And we have this, I'm, I'm assuming we have the same sort of agreement in place that we have at ANZ. So sustainability for the club with the business sense, uh, probably the next easiest stadium to get to. Uh, there'll be a lot of people saying, what about Belmore? And my response to that is, what about Belmore? Belmore Stadium is our spiritual home ground. It's lovely that we've been able to upgrade it a little bit with the new stand, um, but it's still stuck in the 80s. Belmore is, the equivalent of Belmore is Brookvale Oval, a stadium that we should not be playing at at the top level. And a professional sport probably should not be playing at Belmore. Uh, probably not, should, should probably not be playing at Brookvale. Belmore's a little bit better than it, but the club cannot survive playing a whole season at Belmore. It just can't happen. So your thoughts on one match at Belmore? You're happy with just the one match at Belmore, or are you more happy uh, with not at Belmore, maybe just trials at Belmore? That's... I was previously happy with one or two games a year at Belmore. Um, just to go back to our roots, uh, play a, a proper home game, as some of the older fans would say. Um, and just for the younger fans to be able to experience our spiritual home ground for an NRL game. Um, but this year, I feel like the the game this year was poorly, poorly run, poorly organised. Um, if you look at the figures of the crowds at Belmore, it's been really underwhelming. So maybe we need to go to a I don't know, maybe one game every two years, one game every three years and create an event out of it. Well, I think um, nostalgia is lost on it. Like, every year we keep saying, going back to Belmore, going back to Belmore. When it first happened in 2015, it was exciting. We were both a part of the first two games there at Belmore with yep. the Melbourne Storm game with 16,000. And still to this day, I look back, it was one of the best games I've attended to for a regular home and away season game. Yep. The Sharks game... Again, was another great game when we were, the hill was packed. Fortunately, we didn't win that game. We don't. It feels like I've responded to a lot of fans say we need more games at Belmore while this was going on. I knew we weren't going to play more at Belmore. Maybe if not two games a year at Belmore. But yep. I feel like I came up with this idea earlier. Maybe I think we should stop playing at Belmore for three or four years. Yeah, move our home games and then come back there again and then really make a special event out of it. It's we keep, I mean, we've, We're struggling there. The crowd this year was 13,000, and people said that was a good crowd. I don't think it is, especially when a lot of tickets were handed out at Belmore on the week of the game. So yeah. we maybe we need to make an event, have three years off or four years off, and then really come back and then really pack out Belmore Sports Ground. Yeah. With the Big West, what 
Sports on Bank West as a venue, like uh, some people have the issue that it's in Parramatta. Well, Bank West, yeah, it's at the old Parramatta Stadium location, but that's Bank West is the Western Sydney Allianz Stadium. It's the Western Sydney, um, Western Sydney medium-sized stadium. So, like, that's what it's there for now. It's there to service all of Western Sydney. We're a Western Sydney club. It's easy to get to by train networks, which is another problem for Belmore. Unless if you live in the southwest, it's a huge pain in the butt to get to by trains. There's no parking. Really, not much parking, so that hurts Belmore as well. Um, but look, the future of future of professional sport uh, is these is these medium range state of the art stadiums, Bank uh, West and the like. And unfortunately. Even if you wanted to upgrade Belmore to be a Bank West, I was at Bank West the other day for the first time, uh, just outside it, and the size of it, I mean, there is no way you could fit a, that stadium where Belmore's situated. Even if you were to reduce the capacity to 25,000, there's no way that stadium could fit in the current location of Belmore. Um, we'll probably get a lot of hate on uh, social media for bagging on Belmore a little bit, but um, I think we both love Belmore for what it is, but professional sport uh, needs to move forward, unfortunately, not, not backwards, is my opinion. Mm. So you've never been inside Bank West Stadium? No, I've never been inside Bank West yet. Okay. okay. Oh, well, have. I, I have. Yes, I have. I went there to a Tigers game, West Tigers game earlier this year. West Tigers yep. in South. Crowd, unfortunately, was one of the smallest. I think it's one of the smallest that Bank West has held for an NLL game. It was around the, just shy of 10,000 people. But I tell you what, the atmosphere there, and I think people will experience this when we burst Panthers there in a week's time or over a week's time, is it's fantastic. 10,000 people there, sounds like there's 30,000 people there. Yeah. And there's seriously, I sat in general missions so at the cheap seats. I was popping around in different locations. There was not a bad seat in Bankwest Stadium. I know yep. it's the advertisement thing, but there's seriously no bad seat. If you're sitting in row one, you can still see the other trial line. <laughs> behind the post. And if you're sitting deep at the back, you can see the yep. whole field. If you're sitting towards the sides, fantastic. It's very tight. Um, so I do encourage all fans when we do play a Bankwest game, if try and just give just give it a go. Like It's a fantastic stadium. It's all open too. So even in the... Eastern Grandson, I think it is, you can actually walk and you can actually see the whole field while you're walking to your food, getting your food and your drinks. So even if you wanted to, to go to a quick bathroom break or food break, you can actually still see the whole field whilst walking to the the food. Yeah. And, uh, vendors and all that. So that's pretty cool. I've never seen that at any venue. So I could be able to watch games while standing side on and walking to the bathroom still. Yeah. Hopefully ANZ gets to be redeveloped into something similar. It's not a total knockdown mm-hmm. rebuild, but hopefully we can have a similar experience at ANZ going forward, uh, which is our home ground now. So um, in a few years, I think three years time, hopefully uh, that's that's the same. But it's great to see on a on a positive note for the sport that all these stadiums are popping up. Uh, Bank West is done. There's a new Townsville Stadium coming. We've got stadiums like Skill Park on the Gold Coast and Amy Park in Melbourne. Uh, there's a new Allianz Stadium coming. There's a new ANZ Stadium coming. So this is a good thing for the sport. Um, and hopefully it delivers bigger crowds, bigger crowd averages because of the luxury that um, you get to watch the sport in. 
Well, and then if we look even at our new home venue for the three years, the HBF Park, yep, which has only been recently upgraded, the grandstands, very yeah, steep grandstands, well, very steep grandstands as well, not as not as steep as the Big West. That's fantastic, and that's only got great reviews from people from Perth, and um, it might call for a a little holiday when we play there next year. Yeah, definitely. Look, yeah, so definitely look into it. The only the only downside to HBF is there's not much cover, but apart from that, very steep. Uh, and that's the other thing I've heard people say: upgrade Belmore and just upgrade like into the sky, upgrade upwards. Well, Bank West is the steepest legal stadium in Australia, so you can't get much more steeper than that. Uh, and unfortunately, it's just not going to fit at Belmore. Maybe we could do it next year a podcast in Perth before the game. <laughs> Maybe. Alrighty, so I think we'll wrap it up around here. Um, people, um, we had our first ever audio message uh, on this episode, which was fantastic. Uh, if you agree with us or disagree with us on any topic that we're speaking about, go to anchor.fm, find our page, and uh, send us an audio message if you like. Otherwise, you can contact us on Twitter, Scotty. At uh, NRL Bulldogs fans, just one word. Yep. Instagram yep. at NRL Bulldogs, Bulldogs. underscore fans. Underscore That's fans. right. And, and then the email is fans at gmail.com. So um, hopefully you enjoyed listening to this one. Uh, if you agree with us or disagree, doesn't matter. We will share your opinions uh, it's for on, the, fans on the next episode. Um, because at the end of the day, like we said at the start of episode one, we're fans. We're doing this for other fans. So you guys get a say as well. Oh, we want things that we talk about. things talked about. If people disagree, we want to. We, we want, want to see their point. We want to share it as well. We're not someone who, if you disagree with us, we don't. We're not going to not show it. We want everyone to have a voice on the show. That's right. We want to share as many opinions as we can. Have as many different voices as we can. So we're looking forward to those audio messages as well. All right, thanks guys for listening. See you next time.